Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number one of Genesis chapter nine. And we're beginning in the first verse. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood... By man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. And you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. I'll stop reading there in verse 7, and we're beginning a new chapter. The focus also has shifted now, The uh, as we saw in the last chapter, the historical event of the flood and coming out of the ark after the flood when the earth was dried was spiritually picturing Judgment Day and its aftermath of the end of this world and the beginning of a new world. Well, you know, time has to go on. God wrote about the events of the flood over 7,000 years ago It's very early in the biblical record. Genesis chapter 8, there's only been eight chapters in the Bible, and there's a a whole big book uh, for God to complete. And therefore, the narrative, the historical um, events of the flood, have to continue on into history, and, and, and time has to continue developing so God can give us the rest of his word and, and history can unfold. And, and so we're going to see that here, especially in Genesis 9, that God is speaking to Noah and his sons, to the eight souls that came off of the ark in a very similar way as he spoke to Adam and Eve at the beginning of time when God created Adam from the dust of the ground, and then later took one of his ribs and made Eve the woman. He also said to Adam and Eve, to mankind, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply 
and replenish the earth and subdue it. And by the way, the word replenish, that we, we find that in, here in Genesis 9 also, in verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Well, it's the same word that was used back in Genesis 1. And when, when we read it regarding Noah, we have the idea that the world was populated and now you have to repopulate it, replenish. And that's actually not what the Hebrew word means. The Hebrew word means to fill, to, to make full. And that's why it was rightly, correctly used in Genesis 1 verse 28. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. There was no prior population before Adam and Eve. So there was no refilling the earth. It would have been better translated and fill the earth. That's what the word means in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. The same Hebrew word is used, and it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The word filled is the word translated as replenished. Well, God said to Adam and Eve, again, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, basically, that's the idea of verse 2 of Genesis 9. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. If the fear of you and dread of you is upon them, you have dominion over them. So it's very striking in its similarity between what God said to Noah and what God said to Adam and Eve. These are the commandments of God where the Lord gave direction to our first parents, Adam and Eve, and now he's given direction to these four couples, Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, because they have a very similar responsibility. They must fill the earth. All of the world's cultures, all of its races, all of the various people groups we see today can be traced back to these eight people that disembarked and came out of the ark and began to um, till the ground and Noah began to be a husbandman and they began to have children and descendants and and societies began to develop. And then finally, it would be sons of Noah. We're all sons of Noah, just like Noah and, and the other seven could trace their lineage back to Adam and Eve. So we're likewise sons of Adam and Eve, but we're also sons of Noah. And the sons of Noah later spread out, especially when God confounded the languages at the Tower of Babel, 
And then the Lord divided the continent in the days of Peleg. He divided the earth and, and the one large landmass that the world was split and began to move and, and scientists speak of a, uh, I think they call it a continental shift and the land began to move. It began to move apart until finally it settled in the way that our current map has North and South America and Africa and Europe. It finally split and shifted. And, and so since all people can trace their ancestry back to Noah, back to Mrs. Noah, back to Noah's sons and their wives, it's not surprising that we find that there are stories in many cultures or there are records, some of them um, greatly distorted and mostly childish in comparison to the wonderful record that the Bible presents of Noah's flood. But still, there are tales that have popped up in numerous cultures around the world of a great flood. And, of course, that would be expected if we all are descended from Noah and and those eight, that later generations would have heard the story passed down from Noah, his wife, to grandchildren and great-grandchildren and and on down the line until finally there was that split and and people speaking this language went one way and another language another way and and they were carried even to faraway lands with a continental shift and then they uh, wrote down on uh, however they wrote it down they wrote down their tale of a great flood and exaggerated as men tend to do and distorted it as men tend to do and yet it is still a record of a great flood and really it serves to validate to confirm the biblical account since we all are from all that got off the ark there should have been there should have been some later generations that that recorded something related to the flood and and so uh, we find that there are in various cultures yet again nothing like the bible's record you know if you read assyrian writings or or if you read the writings of past ancient civilizations when they're translated they really uh, they're not very well put together, at least to those of us that are familiar with the Word of God, the Bible. Uh, The Bible is an ancient book. It's an ancient writing that goes back now over, uh, well, about 3,500 years, or close to that, 3,000 and several hundred years ago, the Bible began to be written. And again, if you, if you were to look at other religious writings or secular writings, there's just no comparison in the level of intelligence, the level of the way 
the Bible harmonizes and, and is put together, the accuracy of its statements, the, the history that it presents. It, it's just when God wants to be, sometimes he'll sum up a person's life in a sentence. But when God wants to lay out a, an event like he did with the flood, well, it, there's just no comparison. There's, there's nothing else in ancient literature that can even begin to compare with the Bible. That, that's why it's laughable when people try to compare some ancient writing of a Babylonian culture or society about the flood that, that, that again is hugely exaggerated and distorted and really childish in comparison to what the Bible records, and then they just try to downplay and dismiss the biblical record with the idea, well, yeah, the, this other ancient culture spoke about a flood too, and this went over here, and, and so you have the Bible record. And again, they're, of course, critics of the Bible. They think they're above the Bible, and they try to find fault with the Bible, so they don't want to recognize the superiority, the the just the wonderful way the Bible was written and the way that history was recorded for us. But we do have an incredible historical book in the Bible that is unmatched. It's just unmatched with any other historical documents that are out there. And so history is going to move on now. In Genesis chapter 9, God is starting over with the second earth, with our present earth. We're, we're living in the second earth. We're, we're living in the world that, that is after the flood. And so is Noah. And, and so Noah is given the command and, and all of his family be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And that was the command to Adam. And you know, this is one thing that mankind today in our world is actually doing a good job at, despite themselves, despite, um, you know, birth control and and all the new things that science has developed to prevent pregnancy and abortion and that horrible thing. Despite all these things, mankind is populating the earth. And now we have, I don't know, I think it's around seven and a half billion people that occupy the world. And that's exactly what God commanded. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Uh, and of course, when mankind does something correctly, uh, insofar as the Bible is concerned, uh, he regrets it. it. It's a terrible thing to man, to the people of the world. They worry and fret and fear about overpopulation. Well, God doesn't say anything about that in the Bible. He doesn't say... Uh, fill the earth to a certain measure. He, he doesn't say uh, multiply un, until you reach a certain number. He just simply gives the direction to mankind to 
procreate and to do it rightly, of course, within the marriage relationship. And God will provide the blessing of children and man should just leave it alone. But that's not man's nature. He's uh, always thinking he's wiser than God. He has to intermeddle with all wisdom. And so he uh, he can't leave it alone. Oh, no, he, he can't let God uh, be the determiner of when he will have a child. So he he gets involved and he makes a mess of that, as man tends to do in so many areas when he he meddles with the wisdom of God. But God's people, by God's grace, when they become saved, they're given a new heart and a new spirit and a desire to do the will of God, and they learn God's will on this matter. Multiply, replenish the earth, and be fruitful. Very well, Lord, very well. And so, a husband and wife do not take contraceptives they or or birth control pills or, or they they don't do anything like that they leave it in God's hands and maybe for a year or 5 years there's no children or maybe every year there is a child very well lord that's your perfect will and uh, so they they receive blessing as the bible speaks of children in a good way in a positive way, in a way that indicates one who has many children is blessed of God, and it's not a curse, it's not something that is injurious, it's not something that's terrible and awful, and and as as people of the world like to make it out, it, it is a wonderful blessing when a couple that are married in God's sight are granted and blessed with children that God has created in the womb and knitted together and and wonderfully designed and then brings forth and it is a blessing to that family and and that has always been the mindset of the children of God and yes can God test in that area can he try his people in that area after maybe they have seven children and and they lack financial resources and what are they going to do um, if the Lord tarries concerning school and college and expenses and clothing and just just all kinds of things. Of course, God can test and you can see how someone can fail a test like that. They start worrying, looking ahead trying to solve the financial questions of 10 years from the present day, looking down the road, where are we going to get that money? We can't get that money. And again, you know, the Lord tells us, don't worry about things you cannot control. You can't make one hair white or black. You can't add a cubit to your stature. You you cannot do these things, why do you worry, why do you fret, why do you trouble yourself, knowing about things that are off in the distance, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Today, God provides. The Lord has provided food, he's provided clothing, he's provided 
the blessing of children. He's provided in many, uh, in, in most cases, a home and, and so forth and many things. And, and let's just today serve the Lord and leave off worry. And then when tomorrow comes, we pray again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You see, it's a, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy road. Whenever we obey God on every, on any point of doctrine, on anything he tells us in the Bible, there is always trouble. There is always going to be uh, affliction for the word's sake. There, there will be various difficulties, yet it's always the best way. It is the way to go. There is no other option, really. When people try to solve things themselves, let's put a limit on children. Let's wait 10 years. And here's a married couple. We're going to wait 10 years, and we won't have any children until we we get a nice house and we both have nice jobs and and well you can be sure that there will be other problems that result because they are not doing it God's way and when people do not do something God's way that means it's a sinful way when they're they're involved in some sin some wrongdoing then it tends to beget other sins and other ways of going wrong, and it turns into a mess. That's what man is expert at, turning things into a mess. That is what rebellion does. It's what sin always does. Uh, You know, it's a great mercy that God has given us his word, that he's given us a desire to do his word, and and it just takes the whole matter out of our hands and we say well it's really not up to me is it not my will but thine be done very well lord very well it it goes for marriage i'm i'm married well i don't have to wonder about marriage anymore i know god's will for me it is to remain married you're you're married until death or it goes for children uh, I just leave it in God's control. And if the Lord blesses with one or five or ten or fifteen, whatever number, we trust God. We trust the Lord. And, you know, these uh, ideas that children of God live by today can be traced back to scriptures like in Genesis 9, when God told Noah, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. He's never rescinded that commandment. He's never taken it back. And and God has never said, all right, that's enough. That's enough. We, we've reached the, the point of capacity. No more. No, that, that, when you hear that, that's the world speaking. That's the nations of the world. And again, they don't look to the Bible for guidance they they don't look to the word of god for what they should do and we can know they don't because just look around and what do we see all around us a chaotic world a world that is a mess because 
Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Everybody thinks that every nation, every uh, unsaved person within the nation thinks they know best. They they know best in in so many ways, and yet they don't. Well, it goes on to say in verse 3 of Genesis 9, Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. Now, the Hebrew word translated as moving is 7431, and it's normally translated as creeping. It's translated that way back in Genesis 1, verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. It was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And And, and so this is the creeping thing. The creeping thing. Now, God, um, we don't have time in this study, but we'll look in uh, Leviticus and in some other places where God speaks of mice and uh, lizards and, and other things that creep upon the ground. And that's what God is saying in the whole realm of creeping things. Every creeping thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. You know, it's interesting, and I never really thought about it before. I've read this, but just not put two and two together. That this is the time after the flood, 4989 B.C., and at that time, there were no laws um, concerning Diet. There were no dietary restrictions upon Noah and upon his family. They could eat any creeping thing. They could eat any animal. And it's not until, well, again, I suppose about 3,500 years later, since Moses was given uh, information by God in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, sometime during the 40-year wilderness sojourn. So that would be between 1447 and 1407 B.C. That then God specified that the Jews were to eat certain animals and not eat other animals, including creeping things. Creeping things were said to be abomination. And, and so it's interesting, the way that God has written about food for mankind in the Bible. In the beginning, with Adam and Eve, it was just herbs and and, and fruits and things like that. No animals, of course, because sin had not entered the world. And, and after the fall, we can probably conclude that what he's saying to Noah here would have had application from the point of the fall all the way until the time that the uh, 4989 when when the lord is speaking this to noah where basically they could eat anything they wanted and then again 3500 or so years later restrictions were placed upon that but we'll have to get into that more in our next bible study 
Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.